You know, as children, we used our imagination all the time. And I think as we got older, we were told, be realistic, be practical, do the right thing. And so that just so limited us, especially I'm going to say my generation and the generations before me, I feel that that imagination muscle kind of has gotten weakened in adults. And we just automatically skip to, how is this going to work? How is this going to make me money? You know, how am I going to, how, how, how? And you just jumped, automatically jumped to the how. And in the entrepreneurial space, we have heard this a million times, F the how for now. And I just think that's just true with everything because that just automatically kills any kind of dream that we have. So I don't, I just don't think we give ourselves the space to just start imagining. Welcome to Captivate the Room with your host, internationally known voice expert, Tracy Goodwin an award-winning speaker who has taught hundreds around the globe to make a big impact with their voice. This podcast is for anyone who wants to step onto a bigger stage, make a bigger impact, and have a voice that makes people listen. Presentation matters, and the voice is the missing link. Join in and you'll see why. Welcome to the podcast. So happy to have you with me today, as always. And I've got a great episode for you today. I've got another former student with me today who's doing amazing work in the world. I think you're going to really enjoy hearing from Dr. Clarissa Castillo-Ramsey. I'll tell you a little bit about her. And if you are a multi-passionate person, you really don't want to miss this episode. I'll tell you about her in just a minute, but let me remind you, if you are in Chicago, I am coming in October. Do not miss this opportunity to spend the day with me. It is going to be transformative. This is where I want you to go. I want you to go to captivatetheroom.com forward slash Chicago. Very small group, full day, type container. I have a few spots left for October 17th. Do not miss this. All right, let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Clarissa Castillo-Ramsey. She's an award-winning transformational coach for creatives. She's an author and an abstract artist. Her top-rated podcast, Painting Your Path, helps multi-passion midlife creatives start living life on their terms. Popular episodes include Overcoming Imposter Syndrome and Creating a Life You Love a trained organizational psychologist from the California School of Professional Psychology. Clarissa is fascinated by the people that continue to bring their dreams and goals to reality, no matter what their circumstances. Over her multi-decade career, Clarissa worked with hundreds of leaders and teams in various industries like healthcare, HR consulting, food and beverage, and retail. The heart of her work beats at the intersection of leadership development, creativity, and wellness. When she's not coaching or making art, you can find her hiking in the San Gabriel Mountains or shopping at Anthropology. I know you are going to love to hear from her, and we're having a very special conversation about 
voice and judgment at the end of the episode. So don't leave early. Let's head over to the show. Clarissa, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here today. Oh my gosh, Tracy, it is so good to be here with you. I know we've tried to get this scheduled a couple of times and the day is finally here. I know the day is here. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, you know, I'm I'm honored to have you and I always love having my former students on the show. And I think that there's so, there's so many nuances to your path to the path that you've walked on. And I, I think I'm excited to see where we go, which which of those paths we go down today. But I always start with, tell us who you are and a little bit about what you do. Sure, happy to. So I'm Clarissa and I'm a multi-passionate creative entrepreneur. I primarily work with people who are, I'm just gonna say middle age. Mm. creatives who were in corporate that are asking, is this really the path that I want to be on? Times, times a ticking. And maybe there's something else that I really want to do. So I help them explore that. I help them create a corporate exit plan because, you know, that can be a terrifying, that can be a terrifying jump. It was a terrifying jump for me. Because I was the one who had all the stability in my house. So I helped them really take a look at that and also start brainstorming on, okay, so if this isn't the path for you, what is? Let's talk. Let's look at all your talents and let's see what we can come up with and let's test it. Let's test it and see. So that's what I do primarily with my clients. But I also love helping people because I'm a multi-passionate. I, I honestly, Tracy, I got a couple of different niches <laughs> that I'm passionate about. So I'm just going to talk about a couple of them. Yeah. But that's the primary one. I also love people who just have this, it could be like a passion project or something that they've always wanted to do, like start a podcast, write a book, have their own art show. But Typically what holds them back is just, it's just fear. It's, they always say, I don't know how, which we get to, but really let's take a, take a step back and like, let's create that vision first. And I think that's a huge step that so many people miss. Mm -hmm. So I love helping people get that passion project up and running. And the last thing that I want to share is and we were just talking about this before you hit record but i spent almost 30 years in corporate and i cannot ignore that whole that multi-decade experience there and i have such a passion also for employee wellness and well-being and that is something that's a through line in all my coaching that i do with my current clients and that is something especially since covid just how stressful, even more stressful, the corporate environment can be. So I have recently started looking into just bringing in creativity, because I'm an artist, creativity and wellness and well, well-being practices 
back into the corporate space. And you can tie that into leadership. You can tie that into productivity. So, so that's what I'm up to these days. Yeah. So good. And you're not just an artist. You're a fantastic artist. I've seen you post some of your work online and that, that Brown painting that that brown painting, even me saying that does not do this piece justice. <laughs> I just know it has brown tones. Yeah. I, I, I was gorgeous. It was oh, absolutely thank you so much. stunning. So you're not just an artist, you're a phenomenal artist. I want to back up and ask some questions around what yes. you said. I, as you know, have a, have a blend of corporate people that I work with that I love and adore and entrepreneurs that I love and adore and just people in celebrity, you know, all of it. Why is it? There's this interesting thing in corporate, certainly from my perspective, that that is where the professional mask was yes. born. It was in, oh my in, the, God. In, the, in the corporate, you know, the, the, all the masks were born somewhere. Right. And there's this, and I don't say this as a criticism because I'm not criticizing my companies, but there's this, what the question that I'm ultimately getting to is why do people stay? But there's this environment that we're afraid to leave in a way yes. where there's a lot of fear in this environment. So maybe that's two or three questions. Yeah. I, I know you would know firsthand are people unhappy and they want to leave, but they're afraid to leave. And, and what is driving that fear in the corporate space, which actually does affect wellness? Yes. Yeah. And you know, such great questions and the research is still the same. People don't leave companies typically. I mean, I know we're post-COVID and it's a totally different landscape, but I, this is still true. People, people are leaving their bosses. People, mm-hmm. if that relationship is isn't an open, an open one where the employee can just really share how they're feeling and just talk things through, that is a that is a big, big reason why people leave. And they have friends. And I think that's what keeps, I mean, I'll get share my experience and from a lot of people I know, people stay, even if that relationship is not the great with great with the boss, people will stay for other people, which sounds silly, mm. but it's their friends. Their it's community. Their, their community. It's mm-hmm. their, it's what they've gotten used to. It's their second family. Because let's face it, people still work long hours, especially people who are in high positions. So they're there all the time. And, and I also think, um, people's, uh, like the pay, the golden handcuffs Mm -hmm. that we have Mm -hmm. heard before, Mm -hmm. that is also a factor that keeps people there. Well, and the stability, I mean, you know, you know, just like Mm -hmm. I do that the entrepreneurial journey is as you you know until yeah. you really get it locked in it can be super highs and lows yes and, and it can certainly you know my experience has been it could be terrifying as a I've always been a single mother or at least since my son was five months old I mean it, there's no backup yeah I I've got to make this work and so there's there's a different kind of pressure there but back to the COVID thing I have never 
seeing people as overwhelmed and working as hard and as long as they are in the corporate space. Did COVID affect that? And is, you know, what I was seeing was this work from home was great. Again, I'm going to yeah. ask a couple of questions in this little monologue I'm doing, but this work from home was great, but my people would be like, I'm just going to check, you know, I worked till 10 o'clock last night. Well, yeah, I get it. I mean, yeah, easy. your computer's right there. You're working from home. Right. And so we established this new norm potentially But then I think the other piece that's interesting is that people are also leaving and going to different companies because a different company will let them work from home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So did COVID really exacerbate, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe make the corporate environment more stressful? Did it lock people in more? Did it drive people out more? What are your thoughts around that? That is such a great question. And I can, what I'll share from my experience um, in my last position, it, we, like, we had to furlough so much of the workforce. So many people got furloughed. I mean, a huge percentage of people, huge, huge, huge. So that meant that who, whoever was in the office, there was less people doing more work, more hats to wear. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a structure like I was, or there was like corporate and there were field, there was the field and people who were working in the field, there were less people in these healthcare practices Mm -hmm. doing the work. So they were doing the work of three or four other people. Mm. And it was just such a highly stressful time. And I'm just going to say it too, also highly profitable because less people, and you know that people cost is about 50% of, of the cost that goes out. Yeah. So that was greatly diminished, but the productivity was still there and it kept going and people were stressed, so stressed out. Mm -hmm. So that I felt like towards the end of my career, I was like that person also to help really advocate for employee wellness, like Mm -hmm. even more. Yeah. When did you leave the corporate space? How long has it been? It's been two years, Tracy. Okay. Okay. Wow. Two years already. Yeah. All right. So I met you the first year you you had just left corporate. Yep. When I met you. That's right. And and I really wanted to break that professional mask. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You get you know that one very well. Oh, I know it too well. Or yeah, I knew it. it. I knew it too well. You don't have it anymore. No. And that's I mean, that's just mind-bending, isn't it? That we that in and of in in and of itself to me is exhausting. Oh, it was so exhausting. I just felt I literally felt like I just put put on a switch. Yeah. And I had to be this, like, had to have this image and be professional and political and uh, tiring. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really putting you on the spot here. 
And I can, and I'm reflecting back on my own data as I'm going to ask this question, but I, you know, I never, I never worked in corporate. I never, ever worked in corporate. Now I did work as a college professor. I did work for universities. I did work for conservatories. I taught for Mike Nichols, but I never worked in a company. And I wonder, I'd have to go back and track the data a little bit. I think it affects everybody but do you feel like the professional mask affects women more? Oh, yeah. You do. Okay. I do. I yeah. think there's just just so much. I mean, I, I I like to think it's getting better with the whole glass ceiling and stuff, yeah. but I know there's still such there's still disparity for women. Yeah. And I feel like they often have to show up as this tough broad yeah. but then we also get labeled yeah whereas men don't yeah they just don't well you know i think the number one thing that i hear and and men i have men listeners and women listeners and i love and adore all of you mm-hmm. and there's just data that shows yeah. different societal implications on women's voices and men's voices but i don't remember men if you hear this and this is you send me an email because i'd like to have a conversation with you I don't ever remember a man saying to me, Tracy, I say something in a meeting and the woman right next to me says the exact same thing. Nobody acknowledges I say it and they all go wild when she does. But uh-huh. I hear the opposite yes. on the regular. Tracy, yep. I say something in a meeting and nobody pays any attention. And the guy literally yeah. sitting next to me says the exact same thing. And everybody goes, John, that was the most incredible that you're brilliant. Oh my God. And, and I wish a woman would just say, hey, I just said that. And there's the problem right there. Right. right? That, I just said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was my idea. <laughs> yeah. And women won't do that. Yeah. They won't cross that line where, but you know, I mean, we could sit here and talk all day long about how it goes all the way back to upbringing and society uh-huh. and upbringing because yep. young men are, by the time they're 12, they're taught, say it. Get yes. out there. And women are taught, say it, but don't upset anybody and be real right. nice when you do. Yep. The good girl. Okay. That's a totally different message. Yeah. So of course we're tempering in the professional space. And I do think I have worked with plenty of men that have a professional mask, mm-hmm. but I suspect, like you said, that it is more women. Yeah. So all this, all of this leads to tremendous stress, tremendous. Well, I just don't think we're healthy people to begin with. Right. You know, I think that, and I haven't been traveling international in a long time, but when I used to direct plays and when I used to direct plays all over the world, I found that culture, you know, culturally there were places that were very, very, very different. And I don't know you know, so many of my clients have said, what is with y'all over there? Y'all are like work too much. Mm -hmm. Why are y'all so driven? You know, my Australians are just fascinated with the way we're so driven. And so I don't want to say, well, it's just the States, but it may just be the States. Why are we in such poor health? Is it things like the stress at work, the, well, I guess I just have to go ahead and work 12 hours a day. Well, I can't say no. Is there a correlation to, you know, basically what's the driver of your desire to bring this wellness into the workplace? 
Yeah. What is it? And it's just through my own experience and just what I've seen. And it like, there was, I just felt like I had to, I felt like I had, and, and it could just be me putting this on me, but I just felt like I had to be there and be present and show mm. that I'm working hard. Like mm. when I was in the office and, and it, but it got to the point, Tracy, that even my boss said to me a couple of times, this happened. She was like, uh, I need you to leave because I came in after you and I cannot leave before you. Yeah. And, and so, and I'm glad she said that because I, there was, I think there's also this unspoken, like, I have to, you know, I have to show my boss I'm working hard. I think that mm-hmm. still exists. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I want to get promoted. I got to work hard. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it just, you know, doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. And that's a hard sell. That's a hard sale. Mm-hmm. That you did that because we, you know, my generation, especially it was just, that is what was ingrained in us. You have to work hard because our parents came out of, you know, my, they could, my parents came out of the great depression. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents were born in the twenties. And so uh, it, this concept of, well, of course you have to work hard. You know, my father left work at four o'clock every morning and came home at six o'clock every night. Yeah. And that's, that's. That's a hard shift for people, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think there are some. I think companies are starting to wise up mm-hmm. that there's more to life. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing um, just more about work life. Mm-hmm. I like to say harmony, not balance, because I don't like this 50-50 scale. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I don't want I you know, I don't think your work needs to be 50% of your life. You need to live life. And yeah. so I do know that there are organizations that are starting to to shift that and be mm-hmm. more flexible. But I think it's there's still a lot of places like I've just released a podcast episode this today on my show with a gal who got recently got fired and she was just talking about or laid off. And she was just talking about how, how many hours she worked and worked and worked and worked. And she just felt like she had to, and then the company had to shift and change and let her go. And, and it was just extremely stressful. So, Mm -hmm. so that landscape, I think is still there too. Yeah. Yeah, I I think so. I think that we got to prove we're working kind of thing is that'd be a fascinating study. But I will tell you the studies on worth and work are mind bending. And, 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 And again, back to women, women are worse about tying their worth into work. And that's how we I think that's certainly how I I think played into me being a workaholic. Oh yeah, it was learned behavior, you know, and there were other things around it, but I think I tell you what, and I work with great companies. I work with great companies that have wellness programs and they do really cool stuff with their people and they have happy people. 
Yes. But even in all those great companies, I pay attention to, from a voice perspective, is your worth tied into your work and what people Mm -hmm. think of your work. Yeah. And I think there's so much truth to that. That was true for me, Mm -hmm. my identity, you know, as having a certain title Mm -hmm. and a certain being at a certain level. Mm -hmm. And I I agree a hundred percent. I think, I think worth and identity at work Mm -hmm. are just like that. Yeah. Big time identity. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think about it, and I don't know if this is an international thing, it might be, but in the States, what do we do? We meet new people. Hey, what? Hi, I'm Tracy. What do you do? Yeah. Why do we go to that first question? question? I know. The first thing, what's your the work? first thing? Mm-hmm. What's your work? How what successful you are you? What do you do? How do you mm-hmm. do it? Who do you work with? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So when you think about wellness, wanting to, you know, bring programs and tell me more about what you're thinking, what that work looks like for you. Yeah. A couple of things uh, that I have done. So this is just one idea is at the beginning of the year to, to have like a vision board, Mm -hmm. like exercise. And I did this at my past work. And it, it, it just helps. I mean, it, it, it does so many, there's so many benefits to it. It really helps people just get in touch with what their role is at the company. What gifts and values do they bring? So it helps, helps them really think about that and helps them also think about how they see their work and their life coming together. How can they start building that work-life harmony? And and I think it's just a, like the sessions that I leave are, are pretty therapeutic because I take people through a meditation to just get grounded. I give them space to really journal about what do they, what do they want the year to, to look like, to be. And just dream like that's the first pillar in my framework is to to create a vision around that. And so we have an exercise around that. And then there's doing the actual board. And then the other benefit is then sharing it with your team. So it's also great for the individual, but also great for the team to do together. And, and really just rally around that, especially at the beginning of the year. So it's kind of a dual, it's definitely, it's creative goal setting, but it also really, um, forces you to, to pay attention to what's important Mm -hmm. at work and how can we work together? Mm -hmm. How can we work together? So that's one thing that I've done. I've also just had painting is going to sound silly, but just even painting to, to just take a step back and just mix that with some journaling prompts related to your, your work-life flow. That can, that's also been really powerful too. 
And I'll never forget when I used to work for the coffee bean and tea leaf. I used to be a graphic designer in a past life and the holidays were coming up. We were working on our holiday promotion and campaign. And one day I just said to my boss, I was like, how about if we just paint and maybe some ideas are going to be sparked by just taking a step back and, and just making some art. Let's see what, let's see what flows. And so we did that. It was so fun and so relaxing. She said, Clarissa, can we do this more often? Because it has just helped me really take a look at things we could do. And it's, it's just, um, just a fun practice. Yeah. Just to do something a little bit different. And I think in, especially in the corporate space, you just, it's like a, a, a go, 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 go mm-hmm. by doing something different, by mm-hmm. doing something like even uncomfortable as art, mm-hmm. painting pumpkins at Halloween. Mm-hmm. It, it just brings a whole different dynamic. You know, I, I really love that. And I, I have a couple of things I want to say slash ask around art. Sometimes I don't say certain things. Well, not because I care that people are going to go, well, I need, no, that's not what happened. (laughs) Not for any other reason, but a lot of times people have heard me say, sometimes people have heard me say that I literally attribute art to the transformation of my son from severely autistic. When my son was diagnosed at the age of two, he was functioning at a three month old level. He became the valedictorian of his high school. Wow. The big shift happened when they put him in art. Oh, and you know, he's a comic book designer. I mean, you know, he's an art, he's an artist a brilliant artist. But art, I really, if you had to look at one thing, yeah, I got him to all these great schools. Yeah, he went to these great schools. All this, he had all these services from a very young age, but it was the art. I will Mm -hmm. always go, I, I really think it was the art and that particular art teacher that was the catalyst for this massive transformation. So I think, and I think there's studies on art being super powerful, right? Oh, 100%. It's like art on the brain. Mm. It just that that I think I think people can learn so many things from artists mm-hmm. because we tend to look at at things that don't seem to even go together, and yeah. we'll find some we'll find a way a synergistic way to to create something new, and it's it's healing. Art is healing. Mm-hmm. That's why art therapy now is becoming. It's get, it's exploding mm-hmm. more and more people yeah. are getting into that. And yeah. it's, yeah, there are, there are, I wish I had like the data on me, but, but art basically causes, like it forces you to slow down. Mm. It just forces you to slow down. Yeah. So. I can see that. And it must use a certain part of the brain that maybe in a corporate setting, in the finance department or wherever, maybe the marketing department is using that part of their brain, but maybe we're not, I mean, I just don't know enough about it to to talk intelligently about it, but what about those people that think they can't, they're not artists? Oh, 
Well, I think everybody is is creative. I'll say that. Maybe not an artist mm-hmm. per se, but I think everybody is creative in some way. If you dressed yourself, like you had to use some kind of creativity to put that right. outfit together. <laughs> you know, if you're a woman and you put on makeup, you had to yeah. have some kind of level of creativity to put that on. Yeah. If you've ever told, if you've ever told a lie in your life you had to have some kind of wordsmithing creativity. Yeah. So I think everybody is creative and um, yeah. And I do, I'll share something with you, Tracy, like maybe you can link it to the show or not, but it is actually um, a podcast episode about the art and the brain that is just so fascinating. So that might be interesting for people. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought you were going to tell us about, uh, oh, it's a podcast episode. Okay. It's a podcast episode. Yeah. And, and they dive into just how, um, just, just the power of, of, of art and what it can do on the brain. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, and you know, those, I don't know. I, well, I know they have those out in California where you are. They have them here too. I think they're very popular everywhere where they do these painting parties. Yes. You know, that sprung up maybe five years ago where you you and all your friends, you come down and you have a art thing. I think that's super cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, and that is also a fun team building exercise Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you get, you quickly see people's personalities and, and how (laughs) either you love it, either you love doing that or yeah. you hate it because you want to get it right. Ah, well, that's very telling, isn't it? Right. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, on the vision board thing, there was a question that I that I had back when you were introducing the the different things that you do. Why do why do people and I don't remember the exact wording of the second component that you were telling us about your work. But why do people struggle with vision? You you yeah. said something about they skip the step of vision. Yes. And mm-hmm. I'm that that really piqued my interest. So I wanted to circle back to it. Why do people skip the vision step? Do they not know how? Are they afraid they're not going to get what they want? What's the hang up on vision? On that, I think mm-hmm. it's like, you know, as children we used our imagination all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think as we got older, we were told be realistic, mm-hmm. be practical, do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so that just so limited us, especially I'm going to say my generation and the generations before me, I feel mm-hmm. that that imagination muscle kind of has gotten weakened in adults and we just automatically skip to how is this going to work how is this going to make me money how am i you know how am i gonna how how how?" and you just jumped automatically jumped to the how and in the entrepreneurial space we have heard this a million times f the how for now Mm -hmm. and i just think that's just true with everything because that just automatically kills any kind of dream that we have so i don't i just don't think we give ourselves the space mm-hmm. to just start imagining. And that's why I love vision boards so much. And I've been doing them for decades. It's just my creative way of goal mm-hmm. setting 
Mm. And just like asking myself, hey, what do I, you know, and you can do it any time of the year. You don't have to do it at the beginning of the year, Mm -hmm. but just like, you know, what am I, let me tune into myself. And I don't Mm. think we do that enough. Mm -hmm. We're always looking for external validation. You know, like we talked about that a lot in our training with you, right, Tracy? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and we, it's that, it's that inner work, whether you want to believe it or not. It's right. Oh yeah, totally. So, so there's a piece maybe in the vision of judgment. Well, maybe my vision's not good enough. Well, maybe you're going to think my vision is stupid or maybe you're going to think my vision, you're never going to achieve that. Do you think there's a judgment piece? I think there's, I think what I hear, I think there's a judgment that we put on ourselves. How Mm -hmm. am I ever going to make this happen? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. in, in my um, online community, I get questions like, is this possible after 40? Is it possible oh, after 50? Yeah. Oh, you know, like how can I, you know, how can I even um, think that I could do this? It's yeah. a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, man, I get that. Have you seen that model? She's 90, I think. They're 90 or 95 and she's walking the runways now. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. No. This little great. She reminds me of one of those gals from the golden girls. I don't uh-huh. remember her name, but yeah. And you've seen those memes where they talk about Colonel Sanders. I yes. think didn't get his recipe approved until he was 55 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Grandma yeah. Moses, mm-hmm. Seven, like mm-hmm. late seventies, eighties. Yeah. yeah. Producing so, her first work. So we just, Decide we can't have it after yeah. 40 or 50. Mm-hmm. And so we don't even try. Right. Wow. And yeah. And that's something that I cannot stand. Yeah. And what's interesting about that, I'm thinking, well, I finally got it together about 50. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I know. Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like this like the second half of life that I'm just going to call it second half of life. Mm -hmm. I'm 51 right now. Mm -hmm. And I am determined for it to be even better than the first half. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's easier because I don't know if this happened to you, but I hear this from some people. It, it definitely, I think as part of the experience, the older we get, the less we care what people think. Now Mm -hmm. I can teach you to not worry about judgment, but I think there's an organic piece of that that is built in that is probably linked to biology and the need to procreate. So Uh at 23, it's real hard to not care what people think at 53. Do you think I'm not, I'm not, I'm not worried about your judgment. I'm just not right. Because I think that something happens. I don't know. Was this your experience? When I hit 50, literally the next morning, it was like, oh my gosh, I have a purpose to serve. I cannot miss another step. Yeah. I don't know if that happened to you, but that really happened to me. It got, I mean, it's this real realization of, for me, it was, I can't be worried about your judgment. I have a mission. I have a purpose. Mm-hmm. I have to touch X amount of lives before I leave this place. Yes. And I think I, I had that 
that whisper of that mm-hmm. for a very long time mm. in my life. Mm. But I just didn't give myself that permission to name it, to talk about it, to help people paint their path and help them figure out what well, what do they want to do. I feel like yeah. that was always there, but it has just gotten louder and louder and louder. And now it's just like, okay, it's here. And it's was here. that, yeah. And was that there when you were in the corporate space? I feel like it was, it was there in the corporate space to just help, help really like I wanted to help people who didn't feel like they had a voice, mm. people who were quiet. I always wanted to hear from those people mm-hmm. because well, I'm an introvert too. And, mm-hmm. and I know that a lot of introverts just, they have great ideas. Mm-hmm. They have great ideas. And so in the workspace, I just, that's, that was, I really feel like who I advocated for. Yeah. Or those quiet ones, the, um, the diamonds in the rough that maybe not everybody was paying attention to. Yeah. Well, I think the introverts, and you've heard me say this before, the introverts get a real bad rap because the world says you got to be like the extroverts if you're ever going to amount to anything. And I think that's just so damaging mm-hmm. because it's not about copying It's about what's that best version of you. And I think that's a real tragedy for introverts that they really silence themselves because the world silences them. Mm -hmm. So I want to shift gears here for a minute because I know we're going to run out of time. I'm going to have to let you go here in a few minutes, but, and the, and and you don't have to talk about this. You can say, nope, off limits. In the realm of judgment, we had a conversation. We've had multiple conversations about this, but we had a conversation about this before we started today about what has happened to your voice. Yes. Talk to us about what that experience has been. And and I'm not even that you don't have to dive into the details around the medical part of it but i think the how that altered your experience of how you were being perceived yes <clears throat> so happy to talk about it so i was diagnosed with spasmodic dysphonia and at first i just thought like i was sick i had allergies mm-hmm. and and it really it really put me in a tailspin in this first part of the year and I just thought, oh my gosh. And I, and I was the worst judge of myself because mm-hmm. honestly, I was on a speaker panel. I had to talk a lot and it was at its worst. Yet after that event, people came up to me and, and said, oh my God, I loved what you said. I resonated so much with it. And you would think that would be enough evidence for, for me to, to just be like, oh, okay. This isn't as bad as, as I thought it was, but yet it was just something that I had to work through, Tracy. And I had to also ask myself, what is not being expressed? Because I am a firm believer of mind-body connection. Mm -hmm. And, and I think what, not, I think I know what I was not embracing is this multi-potentially, multi-passionate creative Mm -hmm. entrepreneur that I am. Mm -hmm. 
And I kind of just felt like I had to keep going down this one, only one path of helping p- people transition out, which still is my primary, mm-hmm. but I wasn't allowing for these other, other sparks and interest to, 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 just to play with like the whole wellness piece. And that is just something that I really want to explore, but I just didn't allow myself, which sounds so silly, but that's just what it was. Yeah. And you said to me that you got, you finally got to a point where you were, I mean, I guess, did it bother you the way you sounded? Oh, it bothered me a lot. A lot. Yeah. A ton. Yeah. And then you got to a point where you were like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. This is just, this is it. What? This, this is, is what I've got right now. Yeah. <laughs> this it's part, is part of your part story. Of my story. Yeah. And this is why I'm, I'm like, and I think this is why the wellness piece yeah. keeps coming back to me. It's like, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is what Robert Kennedy has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing that I, want to ask about and what you said. So obviously, and, and obviously what I told Clarissa is I didn't, I, you didn't even remotely sound like Robert Kennedy. So that's that perception reception. Yes. We're going to be so incredibly hard on, this is how I sound. This is so bad. This isn't going, you know, I'm not going to say anything. I just had to defend this on a call right before I got on this call with you. The, the the man challenged me around why I don't want people listening back. And I said, because your subconscious is not going to give you a fair judgment. Your subconscious yep. is going to protect you. And so your subconscious was calling the shots on, you sound terrible. Nobody can right. hear you. Nobody can understand you. Just stop talking. Mm-hmm. And you may have done that. And so then your subconscious goes, Phew. Dodged a bullet there. We got her to stop talking. <laughs> when yeah. really, I'm over here going, I, I notice it, but I'm not thinking anything of it. Mm-hmm. Certainly, when you said it was the worst was when you had reached out to me about it. And I'm like, I don't think it's that. Not to minimize, yeah. not to minimize your experience. But in your mind, you're thinking it's people can't even understand anything you're saying right. or hear you or they're they're thinking, what's wrong with her? And now you're at the place of, yeah, this is how I talk. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. Something that you said in there to to shift real quick, this will be the, the this will be the last question. Why did you? And why do so many, because I know so many multi-passionate people, they struggle with that. Like it's a bad thing or a wrong thing, or how can that be a thing? Why is that? Why? Yeah. Why do we struggle? And I think it's because in the, in the, especially in the entrepreneurial space, we are taught Mm. niche down. Yeah. One thing, do this one thing you have to be a specialist. Yeah. And that is just not reality. And that is what I think I was really tampering down is I have a bouquet of interests. I, you know, painting your path can go in many different directions. Right. And, and that's what I'm embracing now. And I'm letting go of the, it has to be one thing. Yeah. See, and it's funny because I'd give anything 
to do, you know, I've said for years, I'm really good at what I do, but I can't do much out of that lane, you know? And And I think that's great. And and, that's your lane and you, and you love it and you're right at it. But the, but the grass is always greener because (laughs) I would like to, I would like that. I kind of want to be multi-passionate. It's fascinating to watch my son. He went to two different art conservatories and they were full on. They were pretty intense and it was all art. You don't do any math. You don't do any history. You don't do any, anything you do art. And he's in a different school now. And he's taking all these classes like, biological anthropology. And I'm like, who are you? Oh my gosh. He's loving it. And so he very well may be a multi-passionate, you know, he's indigenous literature and creative writing, all these cool things. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's very, very interesting. Well, this is cool. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. He's, he's really thriving in that space, which is, that's all I want. You know, yeah. I want him to thrive wherever it is. It, it's not like you have to be a doctor. Definitely. Oh, yeah. not. I'm not that mom at all. <laughs> well, this has been absolutely a great conversation. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Now, we've got the podcast, Painting Your Path. Yes. The name of the podcast. We'll put the link in the show notes to that. It really is a great show. Definitely check that out. And then where else do we send people that want to follow you, that want to learn from you, you by your name on social media. Yeah. They can, they can follow me on Instagram. Okay. I'm at dr.clarissacastillo-ramsey. Okay. And we'll put that in the show notes. And then that's the best, that's the best two places. Instagram. Yeah. yeah, Instagram. And, and and, And my podcast. And the podcast. Okay. We'll link those up. And make sure you check out Clarissa's work. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. It was a pleasure. It was so much fun, Tracy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. And thank you listeners for being here with us today. It's always a pleasure to have you and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Captivate the Room with Tracy Goodwin. You can reach out to her at CaptivateTheRoom.com and be sure to grab the voice formula, a free video series that will help you start making a bigger impact with your voice today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes.